I'm Steve. And I'm Byron. And we are Old Guys, guys Pitching. Did I say bitching or pitching? Who cares? Nobody's well, listening. It's, uh, it's, it's, just it's the, the new listener. senior league in baseball. <laughs> it's... So, what's new? It seems like we haven't talked forever, but we did talk last week. Yeah, we talked last week, uh, and, and I have something to bitch about. Oh, here go we go. It. It, it's, it's about you. Because, uh, what? Yeah, you, you see, last week, right at the last, like, uh, 18 seconds, you introduced a new topic, and it sounded like it was going to be really interesting, but then the show ended, so we couldn't continue. Now, what was the topic? I can't remember, but it was really interesting. <laughs> I can't remember either. We probably should have listened to last week's show before we started this one. Maybe we should call our listener. Well, I, I have something new, actually, to bitch about, because I, I'm, I, I want to know where science is. Uh, science, it's located, let's see, between R and T in the encyclopedia. But no, it's letting us down. It's not doing the things we need it to do. I was out mowing my lawn the other day, which I do uh, because I still can. And uh, not that I do it well, but I do it. And I'm wondering, why don't they have self-controlling grass? That's true. That's true. But, you know, you could get like a Roomba for your front yard and then that would take care of that. Yeah, but it, it's cheaper to hire somebody to come do your yard than it is to buy one of those things. Uh, yeah. But now is your uh, is your mower self-propelled? It um, well, it, it, in a sense, it's it's easy to push. OK, it's one of those electric jobs. So, so will so it, it cuts three blades of grass and then you have to plug it in again. Well, will will it move on its own? You, if you set it out, will it just take off by itself? No. Oh, see, I had a real, real good solution. I was going to say, drive a stake in the middle of your lawn, and tie a rope to the uh, the handle there, and it'll just automatically go in a circle and wind down tighter and tighter, and eventually, mow your entire lawn for you. Well, that, that's an that's an excellent thing. I I should try that. But but I I really think you know what really can't they can't they create a seed, a, a, a genus, as it were, of grass that would only grow to a certain height. I believe uh, you know, in, in some civilized countries, they actually have that already. They uh, do? Yeah. Uh-huh. I have uh, seen lawns uh, around the country that uh, really only grow like two inches and then that's it. So, well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's just because they don't have rain Oh, man, I forgot the whole drought thing. Yeah, yeah. okay, go with we, that. We have lots of rain here in Seattle, so you got to mow your lawn like three times a week. Or you could do like my daughter does. Which is? She does not have grass. She has moss. Oh. And you don't have to mow the moss. But it, it, is that good? Yeah, it looks. her lawn looks beautiful. It's, you know, it's, it's emerald green. It never requires mowing. And uh, it's mossy. Well, you could, and you can just have sand or dirt and paint it green. You could. Or you could do like my neighbor across the street here in uh, Las Vegas and have your lawn carpeted. Ooh, really? AstroTurf, yes. 
Oh, oh, AstroTurf. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have sod, like in our backyards here, we have sod. And my backyard is so overgrown now, I, I think it's very possible that uh, the remains of Amelia Earhart are back there. Oh, uh, that's possible. You know, I just thought for a moment you may have misspelled that and said there's a uh, sot in my backyard, but well, no, that that would that's be me on barbecue night. <laughs> but that's something completely different. So, so we we've had uh, today, just today. Um, we, first of all, it, the Middle East is blowing up again. Oh yeah, thank you, Mr. Trump. Thank you, Mr. Trump. He, he's done it again. And now um, North Korea is threatening to pull out of uh, the peace talks. Yeah, but you, did you really expect us to get there anyway? No, I was hoping Trump would get there and Kim Jong-un would poison his, his Big Mac. Oh, well, you know, that would have been a positive solution. But, yeah, I never expected to uh, get all the way to negotiations. Somebody was going to blow it, and this time it was Kim. But uh, it could have easily been Donny Boy. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it was Kim because Kim is claiming that we've got these provocative uh, military operations going on in South Korea with joint forces with the U.S. and South Korea, and that's why it, it just seems like stupid timing to do that. Well, of course. When you're on the verge of this historic meeting and you're going to, you know, they just don't think these things through. They should have thought if we're going to be provocative, we should all just wear low-cut dresses. How do you know I'm not wearing one? Because I can see you on Skype. Oh, damn. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I save my provocative dresses for late at night when nobody's watching. Um this is not true. I am not J. Edgar Hoover. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took a big man to fill his pumps. <laughs> Literally. The, uh, but I'm pumped. Now, another thing I want science to create, and, and this is engineering more than science, why can't we have self-washing cars? Oh, have you ever seen the Canadian television show, The Red Green Show? Yes, years ago. You know, Red, actually, he invented a self-washing car he did and it was it was spectacular yeah what he did was he channeled the uh the water from the radiator in uh, like a hose that had holes in it over the top of the car to the back and then there was a second hose that uh, applied uh, uh, soap and then he had a gutter all the way around his car which of course meant that he had to crawl in through the window and that would catch the water and then uh, try and channel it back into the radiator. And until the car overheated, it constantly washed itself. Well, you know, have you've seen you've seen the prototypes for the self-driving cars, right? Oh yeah. And they got this giant thing on the top that looks like a water tank. I say just make it a water tank. Yeah, and then you could put radar in there, kind of have your own mini A-wax. Right. Oh, and then it would wax the car, too, if yeah. you had A-wax. Yes, and it, and you shouldn't have to press a button. It should know when it's dirty and needs to be washed. Which would be like, um, see, I'm in Seattle, it rains all the time, so it'd be like every day. Yes, just about, just about. And then, well, then even if you have several dry, uh, dry days in a row, the dirt, just kicks up and gets all over the car. I have a blue car. You would never know it. Really? So it's that sad. It, it's kind of topish right now between the brown of the dirt and the blue of the car. 
Uh, you know, that was almost a song lyric, you know, <laughs> the brown of the dirt. When the brown the of the dirt meets the blue of the car. <laughs> See, that's it. That's you it. Got I got it. it. No, good. <laughs> Yay. Uh, so, so what else has been happening, my friend? Well, we just completed the Vegas run of Ronnie Brixton, the best of British boxing. Uh, David Shaughnessy, uh, as Ronnie Brixton, was absolutely spectacular, including to the point of uh, following one uh, performance, uh, an audience member said to another audience member, uh, well, what did you think of David Shaughnessy's performance? And the person who was being queried said, who's David Shaughnessy? And the other audience member said, oh, uh, the, the fellow on the stage. And that first audience member said, um, no, that was Ronnie Brixton. <laughs> so, so we knew we had succeeded when we heard that conversation. Talk about disappearing into your part. And, and David was so good that he was immediately snapped up by the next Marvel movie. And now you're going to have to get another actor to play in L.A. No, we can't. No. <laughs> I don't think that happened. No, no. He's he's back to his day job uh, this week, anyway, Ugh. which is direct, directing Days of Our Lives. Yes. But then we pick up on Ju June 2nd at uh, the Hollywood French Festival at the Ruby in the, inside the Complex Hollywood, and we run till uh, June 23rd, so... Uh, not many seats available. Get your tickets now at www.ronniebrixton.com because you don't want to miss this spectacular performance and a script that has been described by broadwayworld.com as uh, a roller coaster. You're laughing one moment, you're in tears the next moment, and uh, you're gasping and uh, doing every uh, bit of emotion that you can conjure up while you're watching this show. So, and I, that makes me proud. So, in other words, this show will make you bipolar. Uh, or more. <laughs> Several polars. Can you have more than two polars? Well, it depends on how many planets you I live on. I suppose that's, that's uh, true. Well, congratulations on that. That's very exciting stuff. Um, and now with playing in Hollywood, you might even be able to get a movie deal out of it. Well, yeah, you know, have you ever seen the movie uh, Shirley Valentine? Yes. Starred Pauline Collins. Yes. And you know that uh, you get to see all sorts of characters in that, uh, uh, including Joanna Lumley's in it as well. That uh, started off as a monologue on stage. That's what the play script is. It is a monologue, and so is Ronnie Brixton, so I suppose they're is every possibility of uh, converting it to a screenplay. I, I, I think that's true. And speaking of converting, religion was in the news uh, yesterday. No, I, I, that was a bad segue. Okay, well, uh, take two. Go ahead. Take two. No, I, seriously, did you see when, when we, uh, I mean, we're going to move off Ronnie Brixton a little bit here and uh, go back to the Mideast. Okay. Because it's just a natural place to go from from Ronnie Brixton, uh, which takes place in the world of boxing and uh, uh, other stuff. Uh, so so uh, are, are you referring to the speech at the embassy made by the U.S. representative who actually has no security clearance nor knowledge about this? Uh, are you talking about that speech? Well, I'm, uh, there were several speeches. I mean, there were, first of all, Jared and Ivanka 
being there to represent us when none of us voted for them and they have absolutely no qualifications for being there. And then they, they actually had some, some guy who claims to be a minister who has previously said that all Jews are going to hell. Oh, yeah. That there is no saving them. And, yeah, one of those guys. And, and how did how did the Israelis just accept this happening? You know, uh, I'm going to jump back to a description in James Comey's uh, recent book, where he described uh, the uh, the Trump organization as being run uh, like a mob organization. Yes. Uh, and I kind of think that the same thing is with uh, what a Yahoo. I mean, uh, Netanyahu. <laughs> you were and, right the first time. <laughs> and I think that uh, that's it, that uh, there is no real care for either country uh, by the people at the top. No. I believe they are just out for themselves, as witnessed by the fact that uh, suddenly... Uh, our uh, dear leader, I guess we can describe him as, uh, accepted this, what, $500 million subsidy from the Chinese uh, for uh, allowing ZTE to uh, uh, avoid all the tariffs and, right. and being kicked out of the country. Right. How is that not graft? I believe that uh, graft, uh, if you look in the dictionary, under graft, uh, the first thing is a picture say, of Donald Trump uh, and ex- one accepting a bribe from Chinese government. Right. So, right. No, it is. It absolutely is. And if Donald Trump were a Democrat with a Republican Congress, he'd be immediately impeached and removed. Oh, from absolutely. Office. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably lynched. Yeah. You know. I, well, that's what I'm hoping for. I am. I am hoping for a, uh, a an execution of not only Trump, but his entire cabinet uh, and his vice president, and I would like to see it on primetime television. I oh, think that could be that, pay-per-view, yeah. That could help any net... Oh, pay-per-view. Yes, you get rich on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, re- it really is just... Yeah, I, I go through this literally every day. I, I think um, someone once described it as Trump derangement syndrome. You wake up, you try not to think about it because it is so dismaying to see this once great country uh, just being run for the benefit of one small family. Mm-hmm. And and then you have the, the people who believe that he's doing wonderfully while at the same time, they're the people who are losing. And what, you know, the disconnect is just amazing. I, 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 you know, I, I'm right there with you. And I, I wonder what it's going to take for the people who did support him and continue to support him and who are being hurt to suddenly wake up and realize that they are being taken for a ride. I don't know. I think, you know, the one thing I can think of, but it would involve too much effort on Donald Trump's part to actually do it. And that would be to hold a rally, line everybody up, and then have Trump kick all of them in the balls. But uh, that still might not get it. And th- No, I think a lot of them would just go, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Trump. That was wonderful. They just like the contact with the president, even if it's just yeah. his foot in their groin. It, it is... Uh, <laughs> Speaking of uh, television, 
which we did kind of when talking Just, about you know, televising. Pay-per-view, the, yeah. The whole okay. thing. Uh, this is the big week of the network upfronts where everybody, all the networks are revealing their fall shows and which shows are being canceled. There were like, what, 20 shows in one day canceled the other day? It was like a bloodbath at the networks. And there were two shows that ABC had the wisdom to cancel. Two shows that I was watching that I was I was wavering on. I was starting to go, why am I watching these shows? They're awful and I'm not enjoying them. Uh, but there was something, I, I want to see where it's going. I want to see where it's going. And then the network canceled them, so I immediately deleted them from my DVR. Oh, okay. So you don't have I to said, watch them. I said, thank you for making the decision for me. It makes no sense <laughs> to continue watching this when it's not going to be around much longer. You know, I'm I'm actually surprised that networks are still doing upfronts like this. I know it's it's so they can do ad sales and everything else. But uh, when was it? Uh, w- William Goldman wrote a book yes. about this. And uh, just reading that book, and that was, boy, in the early noughties, as a friend of mine now calls the 2000s. Um, but it they seemed rather dated at that point. Well, are you so, talking about, because, uh, oh, no, it wasn't William Goldman. It's co- it was it's called The Season. Right. Right. Now, mm-hmm. there was another book, too, uh, by a guy named Bob Shanks, who uh, was a vice president at ABC. And uh, he wrote a book called The Cool Fire, which was a wonderful book about television and all about the inner workings of it. And, and uh, if you want to work in television, it's a must read. Um, I was fortunate to meet Bob Shanks years ago. I was working as chief page at CBS and uh, Shanks came in as vice president of ABC and uh, he, he, we were doing the Howard Cosell show at uh, the Ed Sullivan Theater of all places. It was Saturday Night Live with Howard Cosell and Shanks was one of the VIPs that we regularly had had to seat and um, we went to a like a book signing or a book introduction it was some some kind of a talk he was giving and i and several of the pages uh, went to this book signing and afterward we went up to get our copies of the book signed and he goes hi guys we go what yeah I, and he knew us he knew who oh, each wow. of us was and I, we go wow you remember us he said yeah he says you're coming to me for a job today i may have to come to you tomorrow for a job which was a great <laughs> lesson yes it is I, you never know who you're going to heart right <laughs> go, you never know who you're going to meet on the way up or on the way down right <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Howard Cosell, Howard Cosell, yes. Um, during Ronnie Brixton, we, uh, there is a section of the show where we take uh, questions from the audience. And uh, so we had a question directed to Ronnie Brixton about Howard Cosell. One of those, uh, Do you know? did you know Howard Cosell and what did you think of him? And so Ronnie said, oh, Howard Cosell, great sense of humor, wonderful presentation. How old do you think I am? (laughs) But at that same performance, um, there was a woman in the audience. uh, Her name was Cammie, and she made a point to say Cammie with a K. 
But uh, she uh, is there a song in that? Probably. It's Cammy with a K, not Cammy with a C. <laughs> so um, it turns out that uh, she uh, is a cousin of Tony Curtis, and she dated Howard Cosell, which was I, rather fascinating. You never know who you're going to run into. Maybe even Bob Shank. I, I would, but I would not want to admit I dated Howard Cosell. <laughs> it was well, and I think I, a, I think I told you. You know, we Howard Cosell. When we were working on his show, because we were just the pages, and he gave he didn't give us the time of day, and then uh, several years later, I was in L.A. and I was at a, a friend's um, wedding, and we go in. We the reception was at Chasen's, and we walk into Chasen's downstairs, and there sitting at the bar was Howard Cosell, already uh, three sheets to the wind. And uh, he looks up and he sees me. He goes, hey, hey, come on over. Come on over. Have a drink. And I went, uh, no, Howard, I'm, I'm, we're here for a wedding. <laughs> Goodbye. And we just <laughs> ditched him. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, you, you know, you need a, a drinking buddy and no one else was around. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So when he was three sheets to the wind, was his toupee on sideways? Yes. How cool. It was. It was <laughs> hanging over the side of his head. <laughs> like a bad beret. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> no, no, it's not true. He was, he was well done. So I just, I just, I have to tell you this. I looked down, and my oh, I saw Sammy wandering around. Yeah, there. Sammy's here, and and I looked down, and and her food bowl is on the floor next to me. She carries it around the house to wherever I am. <laughs> <laughs> just as a little reminder. Yeah, it's like you know. I know. I very often I'll get my dinner and I go and sit on the couch and I eat and watch TV. And she has to bring her food in. Well, well, if you can eat in the living room, I can too. Of course, yes. He's a vi- because part of the family, you know. A dog with a sense of entitlement. <laughs> Actually, they all have that, don't they? <laughs> What else? There was something else I wanted to, I wanted to bitch about, and I can't remember what it was now. Well, I'm going to bitch about the fact that you can't remember what you want to bitch about. What was that? Hello? <laughs> Are you still there? <laughs> I just wanted to see if you actually remember what you just said. Oh, yeah. Because at our age, you know, it, it just comes and goes. I mean, my, my mind is like a steel trap. Unfortunately, it's shut most of the time. <laughs> It is it is tough. Well, we have nothing else to talk about, and we have nine minutes to go. Oh, oh, hey, I got an incredible deal today. You did? On what? Yes, I did. Well, you see, uh, yesterday I put my glasses on. Now, I, I don't have prescription glasses. I just wear these cheap readers. And suddenly I could not really make out words to read them. And I thought, oh, crap, my eyes have really gone to hell now. So I, I kept trying to figure it out, and I would take the glasses off, and I'd take a tissue, and I'd uh, the the lens that seemed to be worse was my, uh, my right lens, and so I would clean that right lens, and I'd put the glasses back on, and still everything was just absolutely screwed up. And I thought, well, you know, the... Um, the left lens is so crystal clear, it can't be the left lens, but maybe I'll just uh, cl- I'll clean that too. I had no left lens. 
that was the issue. That I've had that happen too, and it's very disconcerting. Where oh my god, I've gone blind. No, the damn glass fell out. So today, uh, you know, I I was out. I was running errands. I thought, well, okay, I got to get some new readers. And a friend of mine, who's a builder in Chicago, um, once when I was with him, he ran into the ninety-nine cents only store, and he bought like ten readers you know and, and he says it's because i leave them everywhere i and i just keep like a handful in my glove box and a handful yeah. at home and some in the office so i thought you know that sounds like a great idea so i did i went to the 99 cent only store and walked in uh, first i discovered that not everything is 99 cents only anymore right so they need to change their sign they do but i uh, that's why I, they I have did. the dollar store <laughs> Uh, yeah, but this is a ninety-nine cents only store, and they had stuff in there for like five ninety-nine. That's how they're getting away with it. But I did. I I bought a handful of readers, and I'm wearing a pair now, and I can see just as well as I did with my uh, five-dollar readers. Wait, but I w- so, I want to know something. How did yeah. you make it to sixty-six years old? Right, you're mm-hmm. sixty-six years old. We're the same age. Yeah, give or take a few months. But you're 66 years old. How have you made it this far without having to get prescription lenses? Because my eyesight is not that far off. I mean, the the one time that I went into an optometrist and uh, they checked it out and they said, um, you know, we could sell you these $60 frames and these $400 lenses but it wouldn't be any better than you going to the grocery store and buying a pair of readers. So, wow. So, you know, I, that, I, I was just impressed that the guy was so honest. See, and yeah. I, I've got cataracts, which is a, a, another blessing of, from my family tree. I've got cataracts, but they're, the last two, three years, they were, they, I think they diagnosed it like three years ago. And each year I go back in to the ophthalmologist and he does all his tests. And he goes, well, he says, you really should have the cataracts removed. I said, okay. I said, I'm I'm game. Let's do it. He said, you can't. Your insurance won't cover it because I can correct it with glasses. And as long as I can correct it with glasses, you can't get the surgery. Oh, man. So I'm stuck with them until they're so bad that I can't see anymore. And then they'll do the operation. And probably by then, I'll I'll be 95 or something and just kick in the middle of the operation because my body won't be able to handle it. So it's like, what's the point? Just shoot me in the head now and get it over with. Well, the only experience that I have in that direction is uh, from, from my mother, who has passed on, rest her soul. But uh, she... Um, uh, complained all through her 70s that she had been diagnosed with cataracts, but her ophthalmologist said, I'm sorry, I can't do anything for you now. We have to wait till they reach whatever point. Right. And then then I can do the operation. So at, at 82, she had a cataract operation. She thought it was going to just uh, uh, put her, you know, in uh, recovery for weeks 
And uh, the doctor did the operation in, what, like 45 minutes? And uh, then she took a taxi home, and by the next day she was reading and driving and just out partying. Yeah, it's supposed to be amazing. Uh, The only thing I don't like about it is they can't put you out. You have to be awake. Um, So, you know, it's, it's a local, so you're not feeling it, but you're still awake when people are sticking things in your eyes. Which, uh, I mean, that just sounds like some kind of medieval torture to me. Yeah, me too. Ow. So it's awful. And I also, I know my my father-in-law had cataract surgery and had a stroke. Ooh. And never came out of it. And and so that's kind of scary. You know, so, so that's why I'm thinking I'd like to have it done before I hit my 80s. Because I'm still in relatively decent shape. I mean, don't tell my back that. Don't tell my knees that. But I, and and don't tell my children that because they'll they'll uh, deny it completely. Um, but I think I'm still in in pretty decent shape for my age, and um, I I don't want to crack cataract surgery to do me in. Well, on that happy note. <laughs> Oh, I do want to throw out something right now that if um, if our listener works for the Las Vegas uh, Chamber of <laughs> Commerce will get me kicked out of Vegas. But whatever you do, do not visit Fremont Street. I had a what? visitor from the from the UK last week who uh, who writes a travel blog. And uh, she had been visiting all sorts of locations on the Strip. And then on on Saturday night, following the show, she uh, said, "Uh, can you take me to Fremont Street? I've heard about this place, and I would like to see it. Well, I'd been to Fremont Street, uh, you know, through many incarnations of it, back when it was an actual street, and and then when it was converted to that uh, video dome using, like, incandescent bulbs. That was hysterical. It's for three three blocks. Now it's been... Replaced by you know uh, the laser by yeah thousands of LEDs. It's like a a huge television screen now. But anyway, uh, so took her down there, and the scuzz factor has gotten so high. I mean, there are uh, like nearly naked entertainers out on the street, uh, men and women. And uh, the noise level is is just huge. It's deafening. But the the worst are the people who visit Fremont Street. <laughs> they are like they're oh, half naked my. too, and uh, they are scary. They are scary wow. people. And uh, and then you you realize that probably a lot of them voted for Trump. But uh, well, but anyway, that, so that we, describes we were, most of the visitors to Vegas, I think. We were only there for a short time before, uh, you know, I thought, well, she'll want to see lots and lots of stuff. But no, it was like, I think we should leave now. Well, that And she, and she lives in London where they have terrorists. Yeah, yeah. I, and, well, you took me to Fremont Street when I came down to visit you. And I thought it was it was intriguing. And, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I loved all the lights. I, I like colored lights. That's why I love Christmas. <laughs> I, I, but the, the the scuzz factor was not the scuzz there factors when you were there. Did not no. That I don't. I, well, I, I remember looking at a couple of people going, "Hmm, I don't know." But it, but other people looked fine, and I I didn't. Right. I wasn't holding on to my wallet or anything. It was uh, you keep your hands out of my pants. Uh, right. Which is not something I often say to people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, hey, guess what? We did it. We're just about out of time. And, oh, my goodness uh, gracious. <laughs> we. Is there anything you would like to say in closing, sir? I think we covered every important topic. I don't remember any of them, but we must have covered We didn't. I was going to talk about the stupidity of some of our legislatures, but we'll have to save that for another fun, exciting adventure. Okay, then, then I'm Byron. I'm Steve. And we are... Old Guys Bitching! Hey, we got it together. I said it silently.